best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. Not your mama's Christian podcast intro. Are you describing the intro or are you describing the, the intro? Podcast? The intro, the intro. Welcome everybody to Not Your Mom's Christian Podcast, a Christian podcast that doesn't take itself too seriously. I am your host, Shane, and Eric is here to bring us all down. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, everybody. Oh, boo. The old, hey, uh, Eric, Eric, what? guess what? What? Hula Hoop 123. What is that? That's a, a <laughs> that's a, somebody who really enjoys my intros. How do you know that? Because they left a review. Uh, okay. Uh-huh. They said, this is from Hula Hoop 123, and I guess they're good at hula hooping. I love this podcast. Is that how they're talking? <laughs> yeah. I love this podcast. Been listening since, the cl- since close to the beginning. Wow, that's pretty impressive. Love seeing the progression, and I also enjoy the different topics Progression was the minus of topper. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> P.S. Wait, what was the last thing? Like the progression, what else? And I also enjoy the different topics and segments. P.S. Oh, good. I love the funny intros. Oh, my god! Look forward to them every episode. <laughs> Thank you, Hula Hoop 123. Maybe you can convince Gabby not too shabby about them. <laughs> Stop em. talking about Gabby. She ain't listening. <laughs> here's, here's the thing. The people that... First off, Haloop, I appreciate your review. And if anyone else is to give a review, that's the best way for us to climb iTunes charts. Yeah. So please, if you have not done that, we would greatly appreciate a nice review, okay? Uh, but here's the thing. The people that don't like the intros, which I think are a lot of people... Well, I don't know about that. They hear it and they immediately go, yeah, I'm not listening to this podcast anymore. No, they don't. So they're not going to no, review it. Hey, review you don't it. have one person. I can't, it's impossible to have a person. For well, that. until you bring me a person. <laughs> I can't bring... Well, if you had a bad review... I. Well, we have three bad reviews actually. Until you bring me a person that says I cannot deal with this podcast because of the intros, then you're wrong. I know, I know. I have people who enjoy that. I know know some people that get through that enjoy the podcast, but don't don't like the intros. Yeah, but that's not what your argument was. I know, but if there's those people, there has to be other people that from the beginning went, "What is this? Doesn't have to be. Doesn't have to be anything. This is a clown show. Doesn't have to be. I'm not. I list. I'm listening to this so I can get some legitimate." Like advice on things, and I actually want to know. Oh uh, well, they they want to do that. That's and true. They That's go, their first mistake. They should go check out another podcast. That, but but I they listen to that intro. Like, what is is this? Is this a kid show? No. What they do is they listen to it and they go, "Ooh, this is a party. No, this is fun. No one's ever. This is a good time. I don't believe it. I don't believe that. According to Hulu One Two Three, she listens to she she looks forward to it. Hey, you know it's a she. It could be a he. He he she she, he, she looks forward to it. Um. Well, anyways, I appreciate. Uh-huh. Hey, so we we just got back from Cleveland, Ohio. Yep, we were there to see our boy Ray Ray mm-hmm. Lewis get inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. One of the best defensive players of all time. The best middle linebacker of all time. Yeah, yeah, that's why he was. Don't say. at me. <laughs> um, <laughs> one of the best ever. Um, and then next year, Ed Reed, our boy Ed Reed, goes in. Uh-huh. So but, the but, best duo ever. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. But you know what I, I realized is that because I, I think we've been in, I don't know, I think we like drove through Cleveland when we were kids, but I never really spent any time in yeah. Cleveland. Um, and uh, and then we also stopped in Pittsburgh on the way home, uh, and we went to a Pirates game, which was really cool, too. And what I discovered is these cities were better than I thought they were. Yeah, especially, uh, we didn't spend a lot of time in Pittsburgh, so we don't really, we can't really say. But, but it looked awesome. It looked awesome. Cleveland, we stayed in Cleveland. So our trip consisted of, we got there on Thursday to Cleveland, Ohio. We went to Canton, which is about an hour away that night for a preseason game. 
Friday morning, we went to the Pro Football Hall of Fame, just checked out the whole yep. thing. Friday night, we went to a Cleveland Indians baseball game. Uh-huh. Saturday morning, we went to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Uh-huh. And if no one saw it, I did the horns. <laughs> I did that, the Rock and Roll <laughs> Hall of Fame. And then Saturday night, we had the induction ceremony on the yep. way home. We went to a Pittsburgh Pirates game. So we were there. We did a lot of stuff yep, yep. In, in four days. Um, my yeah, expectation of Cleveland was low. Was very low. I, my expectation was it's just going to be a permanent rain cloud. You know why? I I just think of the Browns. Think, yeah, that they suck. Well, so all of Cleveland, probably but also sucks. Cleveland just kind of gets crapped on. They do. Like like a lot of people are just like, who wants to go to Cleveland? The name, even just the word Cleveland, just doesn't. <laughs> it just doesn't sound I appealing. I know there's people that are listening that are from Cleveland. That are yeah, like, yeah. But 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 we're saying good thing. Like that was my expectation. And then when I actually went and saw the city, it was clean. It was yeah. Nice. It was. It was. It wasn't. It was awesome. Like yeah. Was, there was there was a there were a lot of things to do. I a felt, lot of good. I restaurants. felt completely safe the whole time. Yep. This can't say this can't say that about Baltimore. <laughs> no, no. We're no. Of the world. Yeah. But but like it was a. I really enjoyed my time in Cleveland. So so Clevelanders, you're all right. Yeah, you're all right. Yeah, right. Then, and maybe the Browns will be a little better this year. <laughs> Probably. I mean, they, better than zero and sixteen. They can't be worse. They can't be worse. Hey, think of it that way. Yeah, can't be worse. Yeah, I know you just lost true. LeBron, but not your mama's is giving you an endorsement. Go check out Cleveland. Yeah, it's a cool place. It's cool. Pittsburgh still suck. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the just, food was good. The food was good, but yeah. the stadium was good. No, I'm just kidding. Pittsburgh actually seemed like a really nice city. It was unique. And they were nice. They were very nice. You know who was not nice while we were there? Who? Eagle fans. Oh. They were not like, okay, listen, if you're listening, you're from Philadelphia, which I'm sure there are people are, mm-hmm. and you're Eagles fans. I don't know if we're talking about you, but you need to know something. Your fans were obnoxious this Oh, the worst. Because they kept chanting that E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles. And I get it. You just won a Super Bowl. I remember the first Super Bowl we won. You you just won one. Yeah, yeah. You've been a, you've been a team forever. You just finally <laughs> won one. I get it. And you know what? I was rooting for you. I actually like your team. I like Carson Wentz. I like Nick Foles. I like I want you to I like beat Chris the Patriots. Long. Because I don't like the I don't like the Patriots, so I wanted you to beat them. I was happy for you, but you were obnoxious when we were there. Number one, number two, we would like congratulate Eagles fans, and they would say, "Oh yeah, well you have a murderer going in," which is yeah. so old hat. Yeah, whatever. he did not murder anybody. Did he witness a murder and run away? Yes, but he did not murder <laughs> anyone. <laughs> and he got and he, went, and he got found guilty for that. Yeah. Um, so so the 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 lesson to be learned, polite. The lesson to be learned here: Cleveland, awesome. Pittsburgh, better than I thought. Philadelphia, you guys are annoying. Yeah, you were annoying. Yeah. Most of you. And I know all fans, like fanatics, are annoying. Yeah, there's so plenty of Ravens fans who are plenty annoying. Plenty of annoying Ravens fans. So you, the person listening might not be that. But just know, no one else cares that you won. <laughs> our, <laughs> you our, we were on the trip with our uncle, our uncle Randy. And <laughs> there was an elevator of Eagles fans that, you know, when you're waiting to go in the elevator from your floor and it was full. So like that, the doors open, it was all Eagles fans. And my uncle Randy said, all right, which one of you punched Santa Claus? Because <laughs> they threw snowballs out. Anyways, this has nothing to do with what we're going to talk about today. Nope, nope. Um, before we get to our topic today, um, let's do a little bit of housekeeping oh, yeah, yeah. stuff. Because... Um, this is episode 99. 99. Can you believe that? So next week is our 100th episode, which we have a lot of special things. You don't want to miss that one. Make sure you are subscribed so that you automatically get it. You, know, mm-hmm. you won't miss it. Yeah. Um, but after 100, I think we've talked about it a little bit, but I don't think we talk about it in the 100th episode. Um, we are going to be taking some sort of break because we've been going super consistently 
we've been taking we've here, taken a few breaks, but a few small breaks. Um, so we're gonna go on a um, not your not your pastors people call it a, a podcast hiatus, which is because they're on one right now too. Because they started the same time we did, and they after a while yeah. you're like we, you kind of need a little it's bit of a break. podcast sabbatical. Yes, that's a, that's a pastor way. Yeah. So so we're gonna be taking um, a little bit of time off because we want to just kind of relax a little bit. Yeah. Um, I'm starting a church, so it's gonna be I'm gonna be pretty busy. When summer ends, church time is always busy in its own right. Um, and this way, it'll get us time to like f- figure out some other guests we want to have. One thing is that it's just when you're going consistently every week, it was getting hard to do that. So yep. we are going to take a little a bit of a break. So I you guess. got this one, the rest of this one for you to enjoy, and then our hundredth episode, and then we'll see you in a little bit. Yeah. So I, I I will say as for those of you that are subscribed, I thank you for constantly. Like I'm surprised people are still listening. Yeah. Um, and we've actually more people are listening than when we started, um, and I, and that always surprises me. So I I am very thankful that people are still <laughs> listening and discovering us. They just yeah, we spent awesome. this week of uh, someone that discovered us. Um, so um, I really appreciate you guys doing that. So just stay subscribed, and eventually there'll be another episode. Yeah, yeah. We don't know when. We can't promise you know when, but there, I promise there will be another one. I just yeah. don't know when it will be. Yeah. What's what's the what's the word? Absence makes the heart grow fonder. Yeah. That's what's gonna happen right here. Yeah, some people. You know what? You probably need a break from us. Yeah, I probably do. <laughs> you probably. I imagine people are like, "Thank God." Oh, oh, thank God! I don't have to listen to this anymore. I think I don't have to hear that intro for at least a little <laughs> bit. Um, but yeah, so uh, Shay, what are we talking about today? So today we have on the show uh, our guest Sarah Robinson, and um, Sarah is, is a friend that uh, we got connected with her through um, through another guy, Steve Austin, who we had on um, not Stone Cold, but another guy, yeah, Steve Austin, which was a great interview. It's yep. actually one of our higher a few months episodes, ago. So a few months yep. ago, um, and, Steve um, awesome. and he uh, he connected us with Sarah, and Sarah um, has has a blog out and uh, and a website, and she's uh, just starting to get into some of this sort of stuff. And and Steve said, "Hey, you should talk to her. She has a really cool story, and so um and a, and an important story." And so we spent some time talking with Sarah uh, a little bit about what she has gone through. So here is our interview with Sarah Robinson. Oh, Nashville is like the new hipster city, isn't it? <laughs> it totally is. I grew up in Oregon, and it feels like a cooler, nicer Portland. Wow, a cooler, <laughs> cooler place in Portland. Isn't that supposed to be like the coolest place in the country, like hipster central? It is totally hipster central. Um, we got we eloped there, my husband and I, and he was totally not impressed with Portland. Really? Wow. Yeah, he just does not think it's cool. It's kind of like there's a lot of parts of it that are pretty run down. Um, it hasn't been experiencing as much revitalization and quick growth as Nashville has. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So a lot of parts of Nashville look a lot newer and shinier yeah yeah I, that's what i always hear nashville is the is the cool place to go right now and I've, I've visited there before i think it's really nice but i'm also not really into country music that much so th- uh, that's yeah but that's really a myth. Mis- like i always think that too but like literally it's like the music center yeah of the, of the country so yeah. like anything yeah. music and like most of us in nashville are not hanging out on broadway you know it's yeah. like yeah. vegas people from vegas don't go to the strip all the time um, it's like the food and the culture and it's just a really creative place. I'm in the writing community here. There's a lot of startups. 
my husband is a wedding and relationship place for freelancers and creatives overall and really good food. Nice. Okay. That's, that's that's pretty cool. So, so fill us in a little bit, Sarah, on, on just your story, what you have experienced, what, what you have kind of gone through and and some of the struggles that you've dealt with. Give us a little bit of just background of into your life. Sure. Well, um, I have struggled with depression and anxiety as long as I can remember. Um, I don't remember a time as a kid before being depressed. And I grew up in a Christian family, but there was a lot of dysfunction there and a lot of um, just unhealth there. And so my understanding of faith and Christianity was really tainted, I would say, from an early age. Um, So I struggled with just like this longing to disappear or run away or um, just wishing I was dead from a really young age and never really understood where that came from. Um, Now, in retrospect, I understand there was some toxic things going on and I have a genetic predisposition to depression. There's a lot of that and other forms of mental illness that run in my family. And so it's just kind of the, you know, the lottery, the genetic lottery for depression and anxiety. And then you throw in some trauma and, um, I'm sort of the melancholy Enneagram for INFP personality type. So it's just like the trifecta. Um, so you know, that was kind of my upbringing. And then when I was in high school, I, some friends invited me to church. I went to church, had never really been in church to that point, you know, except for here and there, even though, you know, my family was like at least nominally Christian. And I had a big transformational moment. Um, and so I did really feel like my life started to turn around. I started going to church. I started to experience a different kind of life and a different kind of community than I'd ever experienced before. And people who were invested in my life and friends who were really committed to me and some really just beautiful aspects of community that I'd never experienced. And that was so good for me. I think I was like 15, 16 at this time. At the same time, um, it was a very charismatic church and there were some toxic and unhealthy things there as well. So on one hand, I was experiencing this beautiful community and being loved in all of my mess for the first time in my life. And on the other hand, I was experiencing Um, a lot of the misconceptions I talked about in my recent blog post, and I'm sure that we'll get to in a little bit here, but a lot of like, just choose to be joyful. Um, happiness is worldly, but joy is spiritual and Jesus died on the cross for you. So you should be happy and don't, if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. And, you know, just kind of all of these things and this idea that, I was choosing to be sad, choosing to be depressed, even though 
I honestly didn't know that what I was dealing with was depression and anxiety, but it was an actual medical diagnosis for probably about 10 years after that point. I think I was about 25 or 26 before someone looked at me and said, hey, you struggle with depression. Um, so so that's, that's a tough tension when you, you said you were yeah. 14 when that happened. So 14... 15, 16. Okay, yeah. so and you're in like your high school teenage age and you have been transformed by a new faith but at the same time you're struggling because you're the church is kind of telling you you're basically choosing to not be happy even though they're, they're probably not even intentionally doing that but it's just like no. subtle ways that you're like I feel depressed so it's got to be my fault what am I doing I don't know maybe totally. I'm not reading the Bible enough I don't know Jesus enough yeah. that, that hard tension yeah. of that totally that was exactly the tension this idea that if you pray more and focus on other people and serve others and get your focus off of yourself better. And, you know, there, there is some validity to some elements of that, that we do have control over what we focus on and we can fuel um, our patterns. Like I can fuel my depressive thoughts when I'm having a bad day by focusing on them and by focusing on what's wrong, or I can acknowledge them and in a really healthy self-care kind of way, choose to put my focus on more positive things. Um, but that wasn't what I was hearing or understanding. And um, I think there's just a lot of misinformation out there. And so people just don't know what to say. And it's such an uncomfortable topic for people who haven't been there. Um, and, and it being a very charismatic church, there was also this sense of if you're in with God and you have faith, God would heal you like of anything. Like at some points it kind of veered into like that name it and claim it territory of, um, you know, like if you just have enough faith, God will do anything for you. God wants you to be blessed in every area he wants you to be financially blessed. He wants you to be emotionally and mentally and physically blessed. So you should never be sick. You should never be broke. You should never be sad. Yeah, mm. uh, that's such a dangerous way of thinking because when people yeah. when people really believe that, um, sometimes they will even turn down modern medicine that right. that God also had a hand in providing for us and that God also totally. put in place for us to be able to use. And instead of going that route, we think, well, God will just miraculously heal me. And then all of a sudden, you find yourself in even worse shape than before. God, God can do divine healing. We all agree that. But God also uses medicine and stuff to heal people as well. So it's, it's dangerous to yeah. make it a, a black and white it, type issue. Yes. It totally is. It's very dangerous. And it also just instills such a sense of shame because I was living in this place of if I was good enough in my prayer life and my faith, then God would heal me. He would, I, I didn't think of it as needing healing, but I always was like, God, I know you have a magic wand up there and I don't know why you won't just wave it and fix me. Like, I know I'm bad. I know I'm like, there's something wrong with me. But, but I can't fix myself. And so I became convinced that, like, God probably had to love me because, you know, like God's love and stuff, but he probably didn't really like me. And that I 
was really just just a, like a toxic person and that I was harmful to those I was around. And like, if you saw me from the outside, I was a straight A student. I was um, in every ministry in the church, except for men's ministry. And like, I showed up to everything. I was out with my church delivering um, food to uh, our neighbors that were in poverty and um, on worship team and going on mission trips. I was doing everything, but nothing fixed it. And so, and during this time, things were still pretty dysfunctional at home. So I was just kind of trying to hold on, trying to take care of my younger siblings. Um, I'm in the middle of seven. And so I had three younger siblings at home still. Um, and so I was trying to take care of them. And so as, when I graduated, moved out and started going to college, I got into a really stable place in my life physically. I was living with a great family. Um, I was going to school. I was working full time and it was like, as soon as my surroundings got stable, um, everything started coming up emotionally, a lot of trauma stuff. And it was like the bottom dropped out. And, um, I started self-harming and I was deeply, deeply depressed. I went from being a straight student to nearly dropping out of college because I just couldn't get up and go to class. Um, I, at that point I was actively, um, actively suicidal. And, and by that, I mean, um, so with depression, sometimes people have intrusive thoughts, which is where you're just walking along and you see something and this thought pops into your head that you don't want to be there. Um, our mutual friend, Steve Austin has written several times about, um, driving down the interstate and seeing the, um, concrete overpass and just this thought popping into his head about driving into it. Um, for me, you know, I've had those thoughts my whole life. And even though now I'm in therapy on medication and my life is amazing and I'm so happy, sometimes if I see something, it'll just trigger a thought. So that's one thing. And sometimes when people talk about being quote unquote suicidal, they're talking about those kind of thoughts. Suicidal ideation can be intrusive thoughts. Um, and then it can also be where you are actively thinking about it, you're kind of rooting on it and thinking, man, this, this really would be better. Like it would be better for everyone around me. It would be better for me. I just want to stop hurting. Um, and the thing that a lot of people don't really realize about mental health is that it's not just, um, mental and emotional. It's, it, incredibly physical. A lot of people are actually diagnosed with depression because they think they're having a heart attack 
because they're having so much chest pain all the time. Wow. See, that was one thing that I read in your blog that that I was not fully aware of and 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 didn't really understand was how physical this actually is. And it, and it really surprised yeah. me with the way that you described some of the things that you were feeling physically, not just emotionally or any of those sort of things, but physically feeling uh, really, really, really surprised me not having experienced it myself. Yeah, it's it's just one of those things that's not really talked about. Um, for me, it was, it's a lot of chest pain. Um, sometimes it's a physical weakness. I went um, weeks and weeks where my stomach was so upset that I couldn't eat anything. Um, I lost like 20 pounds just because I couldn't eat. People were at, asking if I was anorexic. And I, um, had these crippling migraines. I still occasionally get a migraine, but this was the kind where you're like lying on the bathroom floor for days at a time. You know, you go to the emergency room, they give you medication. It doesn't help. And like, you're just throwing up. And so that was like my regular existence. And then like, I don't know if you've ever been really frightened um and you've just been shaking um and like your heart's just racing i would feel like that 24 7 so yeah yeah it's exhausting it's awful so on one hand you have all these really dark thoughts of like i'm worthless i'm a terrible person um everyone would be better if i'm not here and on the other hand um your body is just reacting to all this stress with intense pain. And so at that point, you start to think like, it's always going to be like this. Um, and that's the thing about mental illness is it removes your ability to have hope and to see, you know, dark days don't last forever. And until I went through a few rounds of like going into a major depressive episode and coming out, I couldn't see that it was going to get better again. So at that point, I was really um, actively thinking and starting to um, plan to attempt suicide um, and to end my life. And it's like such a stereotypical um, kind of story, but I decided like, hey, this is, I'm going to do it this week. And I... Um, went to church one last time and I don't really even remember what it is or was about the message, but something in it just sort of gave me a little bit of hope that like, I don't know, it was just a hint of like, there's a future for you. And it didn't take everything away. I still was in a lot of like mental and emotional and physical anguish but I decided not to attempt because of that. And so that was kind of, that was kind of the first, um, first step of like the long climb out. And then, you know, I had a few relapses after that. I was about 21 at that point. Um, and so, you know, had kind of started going through some different waves of like, okay, I'd work through stuff, feel better few years later, you know, another wave would hit or even like a few months later. Um, and so that went on after that point for several years. At that point, I was in ministry. I was a youth pastor. Um, I was a worship leader. 
And at one point I worked in, um, like with a Bible college and a nonprofit. And it wasn't until about two years ago, yeah, two years ago that I got on medication for the first time and finally started to um, face down the stigma and decide that I was not going to be ashamed of getting the help I needed. And so it was it was just a long battle after that. How, yeah. how hard is it to get past that shame to start to ask for help? I imagine that's probably one of the hardest things to do. It really is because people just don't talk about it. So when I was 26, I was working at a nonprofit in Atlanta and the lady who ran the nonprofit struggles with depression and anxiety as well. And she's very open about it in um, like one-on-one and group settings because she doesn't want other people to be as afraid as she was to get help. And so after being around her for a couple years, she finally just looked at me and was like, honey, you struggle with depression and you do a good job of like not rolling over and dying, but you really need to take care of yourself. And at that point, she recommended some supplements I tried and they really help. Um, that's not sufficient for everybody and I would never recommend someone just take somebody else's advice and be like yeah I'm gonna try this thing I can get at Walgreens um but sometimes you know with a doctor's help that can be the right support for you um so that was that was the first step I guess was just having someone look at me with compassion and say you struggle with this and it's okay and you need to learn to take care of yourself with it Um, and so starting that process, I became more healthy and more stable than I'd ever been. Um, and throughout all this time, you know, I was working 70 and 80 hour weeks and, um, helping run retreats and, you know, doing time of youth ministry and just kind of hiding all of my struggles. Wow, wow. So, um, so you were and, so heavily involved in the church and working yes. within different areas of ministry. I mean, you talked about, because since we're both pastors and, and we were both youth pastors too, you went through the gamut of all the different areas of ministry that you could, that you could work yeah, in, which is exhausting, right? So, but you still struggled with all of these things while being so heavily involved in the church. So, so yeah. what, what can the church do differently to help a person in your situation or similar to it? I think the first thing the church can do differently is just start listening. Um, Don't try to have answers. Don't try to, um, especially in, for those of us in ministry um, and pastors, especially you don't have to be a counselor and let that be something that is liberating to you and not shaming to you. You don't have to have answers for this stuff. You probably are not going to be able to help someone overcome something by giving them a list of scriptures to declare over themselves. And that's not a failing or a problem. That's just knowing what God has called you to and leaving therapy and medicine to those that God has called to that. So the big thing is listening 
and getting to know what are some of the warning signs, build relationships with good therapists and doctors in your community. Um, and I emphasize good because um, before I found one good therapist, um, I saw five bad ones. And so, and they were all Christians. So, um, yeah, so make sure, like, it's better to see a non-Christian therapist who's actually a good one and is going to know what to do to help someone get through a dark season and help them get the tools they need to live a really successful and healthy life, even with their illness, than to send someone to a Christian or like a quote unquote pastoral counselor at another church who really just isn't trained and equipped. Um, so the big thing is listening, building relationships and talking about it. Like it's the most normal thing in the world because unfortunately it is, it's just like diabetes or, um, fibromyalgia, any, any kind of chronic illness. And for some people it's not chronic, which is great. You know, a lot of people will work through a depressive episode and then that's it. They don't have another one. Um, but for a lot of us, like me, it's a chronic thing that requires, um, management throughout my entire lifestyle. Mm, yeah. Now, do you think that the world, um, do you think that we're in a place in the world where suicide is almost glorified um, in a sense with so many uh, of celebrities who have gone down this road or even now this is a show that I, I haven't seen. So I don't know if anyone else could shed light on this, but a show like 13 Reasons Why um, on on Netflix, where it can have a, a negative impression on uh, somebody who is an adolescent or, or a teenager who is experiencing some feelings. Do, it, what what do we do about this sort of uh, attitude and view towards it um, with the rest of the world? That's a really good question. And it's tough because on one hand, I have friends who have never struggled with mental health stuff who talk about how powerful 13 Reasons Why was as a story um, I personally will never watch it because it's not a healthy choice for me. And um, something else I did, you know, I worked for a year in a residential facility for young women with mental illness, unplanned pregnancies, um, prior suicide attempts, um, eating disorders. And so I worked with all of these girls from 12 to 30 and I would never want one of them to watch it, watch something like 13 Reasons Why. And so it's, it's difficult because on one hand, we need awareness. We need people to understand what it's really like. I can't speak to that particular show because I haven't seen it. Um, but from my understanding, there are some very um, legitimate and true to life and some elements of it that do sort of glorify or romanticize um, suicide. And a big part of the problem with that is that um, if I remember my human development correctly, the part of the brain that processes consequences 
doesn't really develop until sometime in your early 20s. So like a teenager doesn't really understand the concept of a forever choice. Like there's there's no real way for their brains to process that like if I do this, it's permanent. And it's not just permanent for me, it's permanent for everyone else. So it's tough. It's really tough. I think the biggest thing is just, again, listening and elevating voices uh, that are truly equipped to talk about it, whether that's, you know, sharing our stories so that stigma becomes less prevalent or really elevating professionals Uh, doctors and therapists and psychiatrists who actually know what's going on and are studying it and and learning about it so that we're hearing good information instead of a lot of the misconceptions that can sort of glorify it. Do you think um, that there's a reason for what seems like a a rise in anxiety and and depression and stuff uh, more recent? Because it seems to me um, that with our our generation, it seems like anxiety is such a higher thing than maybe in the yeah. past. Whether, and I don't know whether that's just it wasn't known as much about, so they just thought like that person was weird or something back like back in yeah. our parents' generation or what. But um, I, I've always thought that that's us being in a social media culture and always looking at everyone's highlight reels has kind of caused a little bit more of that. But um, it's, do you have any thoughts on? why it seems like it's it's more people are struggling with it or is it just people have always been struggling with it and we just didn't know as much before? I think there's some of both. I think that there is more awareness now and people can talk about it. Um, and so to some extent, we don't know what it was like for people of prior generations. At the same time, I do think an experience in my own life that our hyperconnectedness is not good for us. Um, social media is definitely part of it, especially with bullying being such a huge issue, um, especially with teens and preteens um, ending their lives and dying by suicide. That's a huge factor a lot of the time. But even aside from that, um, man, it's really easy for me to get sucked into reading a ton of articles and just consuming all of this information and filling my mind and my life with just bad news. Like if I scroll through Twitter for too long or if I get um, on CNN or whatever and read a bunch of articles, there's not a lot of uplifting stuff there. Yeah, you're right. And I've heard it said that we now can hear more bad news in a day than people a hundred years ago would hear in their entire lifetimes. Yeah. And I don't know if there's anything scientific to that. It's probably a made up statistic, like <laughs> almost everything else, but it, it sounds impressive though. And it, it sounds, sound and it sounds reasonable. It does sound reasonable. It feels true. Certainly in a week, probably like yesterday I was looking at the news and I read about, um, fires and floods and um, uh, pastors sexually abusing congregants and earthquakes and all of this stuff. And it's important for us to be aware of what's going on in the world. 
Um, and also between all of that information and these higher and higher and higher expectations we place on ourselves because we can see everyone's highlight reels and their Pinterest perfect lives and read about 62 different um, parenting ideas and styles and um, consume all this information. Like, is my relationship healthy or is it not? It kind of forces us to obsess about all of these details of our life that maybe before we would have not been so minutely focused on. So I think, I definitely think media overall is a huge factor in the increase in anxiety. And I think the um, negative information and then the um, heightening expectations are huge factors in that. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's good. So, so we'll, we'll get you out of here on this last question, Sarah. Uh, if anyone is, is dealing with some of these sort of feelings, these sort of thoughts, um, and you were able to, to speak with them, uh, right now, what would you say to somebody going through some similar things? Um, I would say that you're not bad and there's nothing wrong with you that you have no reason to be ashamed and that you are worthy of whatever it takes to get better, that you are valuable and you matter. And the disease is lying to you and telling you that you are a bad person or you're shameful or that God is disappointed in you and has left you. None of that is true. You are so loved and not just by like the stereotypical God loves you, but he might not like you kind of thing, but you are dearly, dearly loved by so many people around you and it can get better, man, it can get better. You can live a beautiful, amazing life and life will surprise you. And if I had ended my life 10 years ago, I wouldn't have this amazing life in a city I never thought I'd be living in with the love of my life. I met my husband here and I'm pursuing my dreams and I'm writing and I'm around incredible creatives and my life is more than I ever imagined, but I couldn't see that coming and I needed people to help me get better so that I could get here. So I needed good therapists and I needed good doctors and I needed friends who wouldn't try to fix me, but would just listen and I needed to learn tools that would help me on my worst days. And so if, if you're struggling, I would say to you that you are so worth whatever it takes to get better and that you can get better. And I would just challenge you to determine that in your heart and in your head right now that you will do whatever it takes to get better that you will find a good therapist. And if you have a bad one at first, keep going until you get a good one, that you'll find um, a good doctor who can help you decide if you need exercise or supplements or medication um, and that you'll just stay the course. And, you know, just, just to remember dark days do not last forever. Well, that, that was, that, that's awesome, Sarah. Um, I, I, we really appreciate you, um, just sharing your story and uh, just kind of I know for me like some of the stuff you're saying is kind of 
made me think differently about a couple a couple mm. things, especially your your uh, your blog as well. Um, but how could people, if they want to know more about you or, or read your blog or or learn more about uh, just what you're what's going on with you, um, how can they do that? The best way is my website, which is beautifulbetween.com. Mm-hmm. beautifulbetween.com and that will be in our show notes as well so Sarah we really appreciate you uh, yeah. you coming on uh, thank you so much for, for being open and um, for just sharing with, with everybody you're so welcome thanks for having me thank you for listening to Not Your Mama's Christian Podcast make sure you subscribe and leave us a nice review to support the podcast go to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash nymchristianpodcast. Music provided by The Revived. Check them out at therevivedmusic.com. Stay connected with us by liking us on Facebook and following us on Twitter and Instagram.